We're in chapter one of the book of Mark. We are going through the book of Mark until through till Easter. <clears throat> when we read the story of Jesus, when we read the words of Jesus, we tend not to see the context. We tend not to, to miss the context in which he lives and that he operates. We tend to see his miracles, we tend to hear his teaching, and, and we miss the impact, we miss the, the ramifications that come as a result of his working in his time. You know, in the beginning, God created Adam and Eve for the purpose of relationship, for the purpose of connection. He, he, he wanted to see them and talk to them face to face. However, from the fall of Adam, man seems to struggle, seems to fight to, to get away from that connection with God. And, and, and man creates this parallel reality that he calls religion that has nothing to do with relationship, but is designed to keep some sense of order, some sense of religious connection to some understanding of who God is, of what God is. But, but religion just takes us further and further and further away from God. When, you, when Jesus arrives to minister, there's this huge religious system that's in place. The, the, the Jews believed that you had to be of, of Abraham's seed. You had to belong to Israel in order to be in connection with God. You, you had to be from the tribe of, of Levi to be a priest. You had uh, to adhere to thousands of laws and man-made rules in order to be thought of and to be seen as righteous. You have to live your spiritual life out through a priest. You can't go directly to God to, to have your sins forgiven. There, there's a lot of pomp and ceremony, but there's very little connection. There's very little power involved. There's a lot of rules, but not a lot of relationship. There, there, there's a lot of sin and a lot of sinners, but there's no salvation. There's a lot of talk about the God of might and historical power, but there's no evidence seen during Jesus' day of the lasting work of God in the lives of the, the religious system that has evolved. The, the, the fact of the matter is, is that religion, the religion of Jesus' day was pretty ugly. It was, it was pretty cruel. It was, it was heartless system that, that people had accepted as being the norm and, and did what was required from it. But, but there was no meaningful connection. They got up on the, on the Sabbath. They went, to, they went to the place of worship. They st sat there. There was nothing that occurred inside, nothing that transformed or changed them. And they came back exactly the same as they were before. 700 years before Jesus is born, God speaks through Isaiah and says, I'm about to do a new thing. Can't, can't you perceive, can't you see that I've already begun? Do you not see it? I, I will make a pathway through the wilderness. I will create rivers in dry wastelands. I'm about to create pathways of hope. 
to men that are lost and don't think that there's any, any hope. I'm about to bring refreshing rivers to spiritual waste places. I'm about to do something brand new. There, There are moments in our lives, there are moments in our history that something happens and when somebody down the road reveals and remembers what happened, we know exactly where we were, what we were thinking, what we were doing. For you who are of a certain age, you will remember when I remind you where you were 37 years ago today. I reminded Debbie on the way out, and she knew exactly where she was, and I knew exactly where I was. 37 years ago today, the Challenger had just taken off, and it exploded in midair. How many remember where you were? Yeah. I believe with all my heart that Mark, the reason we're going through Mark is because it's not only a history of what Jesus was doing then, but it's a prophetic thing about what he's wanting to do in us and through us and that we will remember where we were today, 2023. The new thing is the arrival of Jesus. I'm about to do a new thing, and it's the arrival of Jesus, the connection of sinful people to a sinless, powerful God, the the light of the world revealing how dark and destructive the religion had become and how far it had taken men away from God. And so now we're, we're at the place where Jesus is launching into ministry in his own home region of Galilee. And we start at verse 16, Mark chapter 1. One day, as Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew throwing a net into the water for they fished for a living. Jesus is traveling. He's he's traveling with purpose and he's teaching in the region where where his family lived. And and he's at the Sea of Galilee, which is not really a sea just for you who've never been there. It's just a lake. It's a warm water lake that's inland. It measures about 13 feet miles long and seven uh, miles wide and it's got 700 feet below sea level and 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 it's the scene in Jesus day of a vibrant fishing industry And, and and he comes to the shore and as he's walking along he he specifically picks out two men Two men who are fishing, one named Simon and his brother Andrew. And, and he goes to where they work, and, and, and they are fishermen who are throwing a net, a, a 10 to 15 foot uh, in diameter net into the lake, and they, it would settle down, and then they would pull a drawstring, and it would draw up as a, as a closed person, bring in, hopefully, a lot, of, a lot of fish that they could sell at the local market. And every workday, these two men got up out of bed, left their home, went on to the lake fishing, for this is how they kept bread on the table and a roof over their heads. And, and, and the story is already interestingly different from the religious norm because Jesus is starting to choose, starting to call men who will give leadership, people who will give leadership to what he's about to do. And, and they're not from the tribe of, of Levi. In the day of Jesus, the brightest of students went out in search for a renowned rabbi or teacher in the hopes that they would be accepted as candidates for training in the law of Moses. 
And, and, and the student sought out the rabbi, went after the teacher, and, and promised to follow him. And, but it was always the student who went after the teacher. But, but this is different. Jesus goes after the student. The second thing that captures the attention is that these men were just ordinary guys, just people like you and me. Not students, but fishermen. Not scholars, but, but men who knew how to work hard, long, difficult hours. Not from the tribe of Levi so that they could be priests. Not trained in a system that, that raised up priests. They were just ordinary guys like you and me. And, and years later, when Simon was known as Peter, and he and John were arrested and brought before the religious council that would determine their fate for healing a lame man, the, the record would show that the council members were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, for they could see that these two men were just ordinary men with no special training in the scriptures. The, the only thing that was different about them was that they had been with Jesus and they had been transformed through relationship, not through religion. It, it was part of the plan of God to come in to, to disrupt a spiritual system that had gone rogue and, and to implement his own plan. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 says, Remember, dear brothers and sisters, that, that few of you were wise in the world's eyes of or powerful, or wealthy when God called you. Instead, God chose the things that the world considers foolish in order to shame those who think that they're so wise. And he chose the things that are powerless to shame those who think they're so powerful. And God chose the things despised by the world, things counted as nothing at all, and he used them to bring to nothing what the world considers important. The plan was, the plan is still in place. God chooses unexpected people. The people that the world system overlooks and, and passes over. He, he chooses ordinary to do the extraordinary work of the kingdom. And, and he first chose fishermen. Tradesmen who had no special training or ability to speak to crowds or to organize a, a, a movement or to capture the attention of a nation. Men who worked as a team on boats through the night and sold their catch on the shore during the day. Men who knew where the fish were, knew how to catch them and, and sell them as a food source. Nothing special or out of the ordinary. Verse 17, and Jesus called out to them, come, follow me, and I will show you how to fish for people. And they left their nets at once, and they followed him. The significance is that Jesus chose them. John chapter 15 says, you didn't choose me. I chose you. You didn't say, hey, it would be a good idea just to, 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 to hitch my wagon to this one called Jesus. He said, I came after you. I chose you. I looked for you. I found you. I chose you. 
You didn't choose me, I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit so that the Father will give you whatever you ask using my name. The the invitation is interesting. Come, follow me. In our culture, we're, we're very used to walking side by side. We're very used to talking to each other as equals. You may have interests and strengths in one field. I may have them in a different field, but, but we're the same. We're equal. We're not better. We're not worse. We're, we're just different. But, but in the culture that Jesus is in, there, there are those who had mastered skills and were revered for their ability and for their knowledge, and, and you followed them. You stood behind them. You watched what they did and how they did it. And you learned and you became like them. So that when you became a master, they could watch you and they could tell by the way you did certain things, who was the master who taught you. And so Jesus comes and he says, follow me. Watch what I do. Watch how I do it. Let me train you in the ways of God. You you have the ability to catch fish right now. And it's what you know. But I am going to change who you are. I am going to redefine who you are. Your, Your skill set will be altered. Your mindset will be transformed. Your life will not look like it does now. Because I will make you into somebody that's quite different. I will make you fishers of people rather than gatherers of fish. From the lake you will gather, the the lake where you are now, I will take you to the nations and you will gather people for the kingdom. It will be completely different than how you see yourself, than what you do right now, than what you will be. I will change you. Jesus spoke differently than what we are used to today. Jesus spoke with with such an authority, with with such a conviction. He spoke with the power and the life of heaven. And this is how we know what, what you shared was different. When he speaks and when he thunders, things change. We're used to news releases. Breaking news. Prime Minister announced today, the Premier announced today, that the government was going to speed up wait times in hospitals, spend more on health care, hire more doctors and nurses. And and it's all stuff that we've heard over and over and over again. And we've sort of adopted a, a, well, we'll wait and see what really happens. It, it, It doesn't make a difference to us. We'll see it and then we'll believe it. But when Jesus speaks, there's a a response that is demanded. When Jesus says to these two fishermen, come, follow me, and I will change your life. And the way that he speaks provokes an instant response. They're standing there, nets in hand, and they just drop the nets, and they start to walk behind him. They leave their nets. It it, it doesn't say that they said, well, can you give us some time? We want to see if we can sell our boat. It doesn't say, listen, we're we're realizing that we'd like to come with you, but let's just see if we can get some guys to work our fishing vessels while we're away. Look after the business for the next few weeks while we travel with you. They drop, they disown, they cut themselves off from what they know, and they follow him. 
His voice comes and it changes their whole world. And and Mark uses this phrase often, more than any other gospel writer. the, the, The word is translated some places immediately or at once or instantly. But these two men drop everything that they were doing and everything that they had, and they immediately followed Jesus. Allow me to say again, church, that Jesus is doing that right here, right now, today. Jesus is speaking here this morning. He's calling ordinary people like you and me, and he's calling us to follow him, and he's chosen you, he's chosen me, and he's calling us to leave what we have known, what we've trusted, what we've held on to, what we've feared, what we've, what we've protected, and, and follow him. And trust him to know that he knows what he's doing. And Jesus is saying to us, I will make you into what God has designed you to be. You see yourself as this, as a fisher of fish, but God has called you to be a fisher of people for the kingdom. He calls you, he calls me, he calls us as a church this morning. And the question is, is how do we respond? Do we pack up at the end of this service and go home just as we arrived? Or do we drop everything and follow him? Verse 19, a a little farther up the shore, Jesus saw Zebedee's sons, James and John. And they were in a boat repairing their nets, and he called them at once. He, he knew who they were. He, had, he, he, he knew who he was looking for. There were other fishermen, but he was looking for, for James and John. And, and he called them at once, and they also followed him, leaving their father, Zebedee, in the boat with the hired men. When you build a team... You try to get a lot of different skills on that team. You try to bring a lot of different experience and abilities together that will complement and benefit the mission that you're out to, to accomplish. And, and fishermen had a certain set of skills. They, they, they had physical strength in order to capture and lift the large catches of fish into the boat. They, they were rugged. They were used to working alone and not paying attention to the social conventions of their time or to the pr- polite conversation that was going on in the, in the synagogue. So, so you would think that if you had called two fishermen for a team of 13 that you had enough fishermen. If, if, if you were wanting to do something significant in the nation and, and in fact throughout the world, you, you, you'd want different skills and, and, and you probably would not load one third of your team up with fishermen. But Jesus with purpose and understanding walks up to the second set of brothers who were also fishermen, men who were, were a part of a family business. Who, who, who knows how many generations this family had been on the, on the lake doing fishing, but instantly and at once they leave their nets, they follow Jesus. Dad is just sitting there in the boat like, what just happened? I have my fired I, I have my hired men, but but my sons are walking away from their inheritance. They're walking away and, and leaving me to look after all of it. The hired men, the, the boat, the business, everything. 
Later on, Matthew chapter 19, Jesus will speak about the sacrifice of leaving what we have behind in order to fulfill the call that he's put on our lives. Verse 29, and everyone who has given up houses or brothers or sisters or father and mother or children or property for my sake will receive a hundred times as much in return and will inherit eternal life. But many who are the greatest now will be the least important then. And those who seem least important now will be of greatest import then. The call, it's costly. But there was something in the power of his voice that caused them to, to drop everything. And, and, and the sacrifice is never ignored. It's never taken for granted. These men did not divorce or cut off their father, their families. They, they, they turned toward Jesus and gave him their full attention and their full allegiance. And, and, and James and John and Simon and Andrew were, were partners in the fishing industry. According to Luke chapter 5, they, they knew each other from before. They worked together. And Jesus chose them to work together in the kingdom purposes now. Come, follow me. And without delay, they left their old way of life, the fishing, the boats, the nets, and all that they had defined them before Jesus comes. And they went after him as his disciples, wanting to learn who he was and become more like him. And today, right now, Jesus is wanting to shake things up. He's wanting to do a new thing, and he comes to us, and he calls us to come after him. To, to learn who he is, to learn what he does, to, to then be who he is so that we can do what he has done. The, 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 things who define, the, the things that defined us and defined who we were are left behind so that we can be redefined and developed in, by the call that he's put on our life. I want, I want to just stop for a moment and apologize for a teaching that has stood for a very long time in the church universal, a teaching that says that the only ones who are called by God are pastors or evangelists, prophets, apostles, or full-time teachers. They're the only ones that call, that, that spiritual leadership calls are authentic and meaningful, and the rest of the people who make up the church are not called. I want you to know that that's a lie from the very pit of hell. I, I, I want to apologize for that lie being perpetuated. The, the reason you're here this morning, the reason that you made time in your busy schedule in life and fought cold temperatures and wicked winter winds to get in church this morning is because there is a call on your life. You, you, you've been chosen by God. You are here with a purpose. You are here with a divine call. God is showing up where you live and at this age and at this stage of life as powerfully, as real as he has shown up in my life, calling you to follow him, stating that you have a purpose and a destiny. In fact, your call, if anything, is more important than my call is, is because God has said to me, listen, equip them to do their work. Coach them, encourage them, push them on. One of the ladies in the church said to me that her ride was saying, I guess you won't be going to church this week. It's supposed to be stormy this weekend, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. 
so you don't, don't make any plans for church. She said, but pastor, I prayed, and I'm here. Okay? It's because there's a call on her life. The reason you're here this morning is because there's a call on your life. Verse 21. Jesus and his companions, as it's growing now, his companions went to the town of Capernaum. They're, they're following behind. They're watching what he does, listening to what he says. And when the Sabbath day came, he went into the synagogue and he began to teach. And the people were amazed at his teaching, for he taught with real authority quite unlike the teachers of religious law. Verse 14 says of this chapter that Jesus came into Galilee to to preach the gospel of the kingdom of God. And preaching wasn't just a series of, of lectures on making life better by adding a spritz of spirituality to your day. He is standing and he's making a powerful declaration that stirred things up. He, he, he says, see, religion has nothing to do with God. Nothing bothers me more as an individual than when I have to fill out a form for one of you that says, what is your occupation? And they force me to say that I am a minister of religion. <sighs> Drives me crazy. I am not a minister of dead, dry, hellish, inspired religion that takes people away from God. I have been called to bring life. I have been called to cause hope to grow, to loose prisoners from captivity, to restore sight to the blind, to heal the sick, to release the oppressed, to declare that now is the time of God's working in our lives. For, for centuries, hell has held a nation in a religious dead zone, and, and practicing religious ritual has, has become the norm, and, and there's been no sign or sense of power, anything that relieves or reveals heaven. There's been no life, no power, no authority. And, and so Jesus goes into this tiny little nowhere town called Capernaum, and, and he shows up at the synagogue, and, and as a teacher, as a visiting teacher, he's invited to take the scripture reading of the day and to teach from it. And so he starts to reveal what God is saying through that word to that people at that time. And he stands up and he, and, and he says things that are very unusual. He declares that God is not going to do something at some far future date, but far down the road. But, but he declares that now is the time of God acting in your life. Here, now, for you. And, and what the prophets predicted is fulfilled here, now, for you. And, and, and the kingdom of God has arrived here, now, for you. And, and, and this is the time to align your heart and your mind to the purposes of God. It's time to repent of your doubt and your unbelief and to turn to God and believe the good news and the power and the authority of heaven makes a difference here, now, for you. 
And, and, and the crowd that was listening was shocked and they were shook up to the very core of their being that what they were seeing in front of them was so different than anything that they'd ever experienced before. The words were the same as they had always been, but those words took on new life as Jesus preached and, and, and they felt the heart of God and they understood something of the plan of God. And all of a sudden in this dark little synagogue, light broke through the religion and hope came alive in them. And they said, we've never been here before. And Jesus talked like he knew God. Because he did. And Jesus spoke with an authority that shook the earth. Because he possessed such an authority. And Jesus spoke in a way that demanded a response. Because truth demands that we choose who we're going to serve. That we respond and we respond quickly. And so as Jesus spoke, for the first time ever, faith in that place started to grow. Perhaps God is real, some hearts thought. Perhaps he knows about me. He knows where I live. He understands what I'm facing, what I'm going through. Perhaps he even loves me. And for the first time, Holy Spirit is breaking through in an old synagogue in a little town and people are feeling the reality of God, the living, powerful presence of a God who just wants relationship. That's what the declaration of the gospel does. It, it causes shift. It, it, it stirs up life in dead places. And it was the first time that those people had experienced it and they said to one another, we are amazed at what we're seeing and hearing. We've never heard anything like this before. It's real, it's powerful, it's unlike what we are used to. What do we do now? What do we do now with what we know? And in the midst of all of that, the shakeup was not just in human hearts. There was a very present threat to the powers of darkness that used religion to gain control over the region for a very long time. And when light threatens to squeeze darkness out, the darkness responds with fear and with vengeance. And as Jesus is declaring the word of the kingdom, the, the, declaring the power of the kingdom, as, as humans are in awe of the power and the authority, Satan releases one of his dynamic, demonic distractions. Verse 23. Suddenly, as Jesus is teaching, a man in the synagogue who is possessed by an evil spirit cries out, Why are you interfering with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are. You're the Holy One of God. If you want to stop, if you want to attempt to stop what God is doing, try to make everything go sideways. Make it weird. Stir up fear. Try to force people to choose the devil they know rather than the hope that is new and promising. You're sitting there experiencing God for the first time when all of a sudden, without warning, an evil spirit that controls a man in the seat of the synagogue shouts out in this disturbing, Why have you come? We know who you are. 
We know why you're here. You've come to ruin our work, to disturb and dismantle the powers of darkness that rule this area and change the world. We know the authority that you have. You are sent by God. You are the Holy One of God. You are the long-promised Messiah. You, you know what you have shaken up. You, you know that you've shaken up something when, you, when your enemy stands up and challenges you. When out of fear, he's, he's, he who's only able to speak lies speaks the truth. We know this to be true. Every time that light moves into the neighborhood, it provokes the darkness to respond in a desperate attempt to hold on to the territory that it now owns. We know that that happens in cities. We know that that happens in lives. As I, as I talk to you about your call, there's a distracting voice that comes and says that call's not for you because, because you're disqualified, because you've done this, because you've been there. Because, and like Abby said this morning, there comes this voice that's louder and more authoritative that thunders out. You are mine. I have chosen you. Every time light takes a step forward, dark makes an ab absolute effort to shut it down. Jesus hears that voice. We, we hear that you're coming to, to squeeze us out. You're, you're coming to take over. You're coming to destroy us. And Jesus just steps forward in the authority of heaven because the, the title on the world, the ownership of the world reads this way, the earth belongs to the Lord and everything in it is his. Let go, move out, your power is broken, your rule is destroyed, your tyranny has come to an end. And Jesus teaches and demonstrator, demonstrates that greater is he that is in you and lives in me than he that is in the world. There's no contest. The bravado of a demon is a lie, the threats are a myth, and the power that is demonstrated in a shadow will disappear when the revelation of the light has come. There is now a new sheriff in town. Remember the promise was, I'm about to do a new thing. I'm about to tear apart the old and build the new. Verse 25, Jesus reprimanded him, not the man, but the spirit. Be quiet. Come out of the man, he ordered. And at that, the spirit screamed and threw the man into a convulsion and then came out of him. When Jesus speaks, he speaks direction and instruction that the demon has to hear and has to obey. You are no longer allowed to speak. I command you to be quiet. What you say is designed to hold a town in fear and hopelessness. You have nothing of worth or value to say, so stop speaking now. Be quiet. Your declaration powers are hereby revoked. Immediately, the power of speech is removed from the demon. Further, he says, gives a proclamation of emancipation for the man that is owned and possessed by the demon. Spiritual slavery 
comes to an end right here, right now. You've held this man as a captive, and I have come to set captives free. Your reign ends in him now. You have to vacate now. You, you, you have to leave, and life is going to come now. And, and the scripture says that the evil spirit screamed in protest, couldn't say anything, but in frustration, the, the, the power, the authority of God that was squeezing him out of his comfortable, temp, tor- tormenting residence, and, and, and the demon fought all the way out, throwing the man into a convulsion. And, but, but, but the fight was useless. The power of Christ was supreme, and no matter how he fought to stay in control, the The demon was homeless now. There is only one name. There's only one name given to man by which we can be saved. There is only one name that causes demons to tremble. There there is only one name that shakes up and rattles the religious world. There is only one name that causes sickness to, to vacate a body. The name is Jesus, and you have been given the authority and given the privilege and the call to carry the name. Verse 27. The people who had been amazed at his teaching are now sitting gobsmacked by what they've watched and experienced and witnessed. Amazement gripped the audience. And they began to discuss what had happened. What sort of new teaching is this? They asked excitedly. It, it, it has such authority. Even, even evil spirits, even evil spirits obey his orders. They're beyond amazement. They're now astonished. Evil spirits that that have tormented and run and ruined this land are are listening to what he says and having to obey his orders. We've not seen, we've not known anything like this in all of our religious experience. We've been brought up with the faith of our fathers and of their fathers, but we have never seen, we've never heard anything that is attached to this kind of power, this kind of authority. This messes up our theology. This messes up our our, our spiritual experience. What do we do with it? How do we respond? Having lived in darkness for so long, how do we adjust to living in the light? That is what this is. Literally the difference between night and and day. How do we choose what to do, where to go? Verse 28, the news about Jesus spread quickly throughout the region, the entire region of Galilee. Change is something that we talk about. We don't like it, but it grabs our attention. It's discussed around the dinner table. It's discussed in the places where decisions are made. Change can, can make you famous, but not all fame is good. Not all fame is as wonderful as we thought it would be. I, I mentioned that Jesus had come into the Galilee to announce the kingdom of the gospel in chapter 1, but by chapter, by chapter 3, he's being chased out by men who are looking to kill him. 
he shakes up the religious structure that's in place, and there are two responses that occur. The, the first one comes from people who've lived for so long in fear and, and shame of the darkness that they hear the hope and they run towards the light. But then there are those who are in charge of the darkness, and they attempt to do all they can to, to shut down that light. And, and we read in, in chapter 3 that, that the religious leaders meet with the political leaders to, to plot how they can kill Jesus. News spreads quickly throughout the whole region. Not all of it was good. Disruptors of the status quo threatened the powers that are in control. Vic, wherever you are, if you could come to the keys, please. But then there are those who are disruptors who say, listen, this, this ought not to be. We deserve better than this. We, we, we deserve life. We, we, we deserve hope. I, I took a long time going through these few verses because it's important that you realize that Jesus has called you to this time to shake up corrupt, corrupt false, sickly religious systems. In Jesus' day, it was a system that talked about and featured God, but it, it wasn't connected in any meaningful way, in any powerful way to, to God. In, in our day... We live in a system that says there is no God. If, if you believe in God, if you follow God, you're closed-minded, you're ignorant. That, that, that's the religion of this day, but there is still hope. No peace, no life, no, no, no kind of light in that. And we are asked to bring light into the darkness. So God has come to you. He has chosen you. He has handpicked and selected you called you to follow him come follow me see what I do and how I do it and then go and do what I have done change the world where you are with the power of God as it is through the gospel being lived out in authority through your life hear what God says over our city today that this is a day of change. This is a day of disruption. Come follow me, for I am about to do something new. See, I've already begun. Do, do you not see it? I will make a pathway through the wilderness. I will create rivers of life in a dry wasteland. In this time, people who shake up the status quo are called disruptors. They don't buy into the thought that just because it is how it always has been, that it should be that way forever. There has to be a better way. I'm told that in our province, 22 people a day are dying with opioids. There has to be a better way. Think of all the families, all of the heartbreak. I'm told that a hundred people a day attempt suicide in Canada. A hundred people a day. There has to be a better way. You 
have been called to be a disruptor. A year ago this weekend, disruptors arrived in the capital of our nation and said, we don't like the status quo. We don't like the restrictions. We don't like the mandates. We don't like the rules. We're here to speak to power and tell them to take them off of us. And depending on who you listen to and who you believe, you have to decide if they were successful or not. However, we're not disruptors in that way. The weapons of our warfare are not placards and protests. The full and accurate quote is from Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 10. We are, hu- we, uh, we are human, but we don't wage war as humans do. We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons to knock down strongholds of human reasoning and to destroy false, false acu- arguments. We destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. We capture their religious thoughts and teach them how to obey Christ. We're we're not a rogue, lawless people, group of individuals who are called to overturn governments and march to some kind of power struggle. We are followers. We are imitators of Christ. We are people who have left our past to declare our allegiance to him, people who are chosen to declare the hope and the power and the authority of his kingdom and do it in his way. And his way is not destructive. His way is radical, his way is costly, but listen to his way. But you who are willing to listen, I say this, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who hurt you. If someone slaps you on one cheek, offer the other cheek to them as well. If someone demands your coat, offer them your shirt also. Give to anyone who asks. And when things are taken away from you, don't try to get them back. Do to others as you would like them to do to you. Jesus said, if you follow that, it'll change. It'll shift things. You'll shake up the world. Don't back down from your spiritual enemy either, he says. Don't don't walk away from spiritual conflict that starts and is inspired by a defeated enemy. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil for we wrestle not against flesh and blood but we wrestle against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Will you stand with me this morning? I'm coming to you this morning saying it probably would be a good day to write down in your Bible January 29th, 2023 because God is wanting to do a new thing. This is a day of turnaround. This is a day of shift. This this is a day where the Holy Spirit reveals to you in a special way that maybe you saw or maybe you haven't seen, but maybe you will understand for the first time, you are not finding Jesus. He has found you. He has called you. He has selected you. His voice comes through the darkness that you have come out of and says, you are mine. You are mine. You belong to me. I have put my name on you. You are not your own. You've been purchased by, by, but with a price, a huge price, the, the price of my life. You've been called. You're not here by accident. 
I don't care how you define yourself. I, I, I don't care if you define yourself as a, as a father, as a mother, as, a, as, as single or married, as, a, as, as an accountant or a fire person. Or, I, I don't care about that. That's important and that's part of who you are, but it's not who you are. You were called. You were called and you've been brought to the kingdom for this time. You may not be asked to leave your vocation behind, but you are asked to leave the things that have limited you to where you are right now. The things that say you're disqualified and you can't take the step forward to follow him. You're called to drop all the stuff, all the lies, all the, all the background that says religion is good enough for me. You're asked to leave the things that limit you. You're, you're asked to encounter God, to follow Jesus, to learn what he does. Because friends, where he went and what he did is a sign to you of where you're going and what you're going to do. There are people in your world that are carrying passengers like the man in the temple. And they're tormented and Jesus is bringing them across your pathway so that you can speak with his authority and say, you no longer have the ability to speak and you have no longer the ability to torment. You have to get out. And I'm saying that with authority and with, with promise because I know that there are parents in this room that have children that are in that situation. And you've been calling out, God, what do I do? God is calling you to get ready. The Spirit of the Lord is about to come on you so that you can open prison doors and set captives free. That you can restore sight to the blind. That you can heal the sick and you can say, now is the time that God is going to do this thing. Now is the time. Mark has made me pretty passionate. I sit many days in my office reading through Mark and just crying. God, I, I don't want to just talk about it. I want to live it. I want to live it. As, as, as Debbie and I pray through your family and through your, through your situation, our hearts are heavy. God, you have made these promises. Now carry them out. Bring back sons and daughters who aren't living at home not to your home. Sometimes it's a blessing when they live in their, their own homes, but bring them back to you. God, there's, there's sickness, there's, there's weakness, there's, there's physical torment going on right now. God, you're the healer. Show up, show up, show up in the healing power right now, right now church, if that's, if that's your desire, if you, if, if you hear, if you know that you've been called to the kingdom for such a time as this, will you, will you put your hands up in surrender and say, God, here I am. I'm ready to follow you. God, make your life come alive in me. God, help me to walk away from the things that are holding me back, from the things that are limiting the call that you have on my life, the, the things that are pulling me in the wrong direction. God, help me to walk away from it. I'm asking God right now that you'd break off shame. 
in this house right now. So many of our folks are living in shame because of things that have happened. Old things are passed away. The the past has been forgiven and God has forgotten it. It's time for you to step forward and to forgive yourself and to walk in the liberty that he's given to you. Somebody here this morning that lives in such total fear that you're even surprised that you're here this morning. You you weren't going to get up and you weren't going to go because everything causes trauma to you right now. I'm speaking the peace of God that passes all understanding to take control of your mind and your heart right now in Christ Jesus and to deliver you. I sought the Lord and he heard me and he delivered me from all my fears. Freedom. Freedom right now to you. Freedom to you right now. In Jesus' mighty name. Father, there's something going on. There's something that you're up to. I see signs of it. I see, I see the embryo of what you're doing. But God, I believe you're about to breathe life and make it come to life. And we can say that we were there January 29th, 2023, when you showed up in our hearts. Father, I'm praying right now that you would release in people an understanding that they have been called and selected. They sit here this morning and they look at that one and that one who is called, but I'm not called. I'm I'm ordinary. God, you have selected them. You've called them by your name. Oh God, oh God, there's some folks here this morning that have just been in such torment over situations that are facing them, family situations, financial situations. I was so glad that Pastor Eric prayed as he did, but there's torment going on, and I need you to know that God is aware of who you are and where you are and what you're going through. God calls you, calls you this morning, calls you this morning. I've kept you longer than I should, and I'm going to dismiss you right away, but there's going to be a couple of folks up here praying if, if you want somebody to pray for you, but hold out your hands like this. Father, 2023 is a year of opportunity for us. It's a year of shift. doesn't matter how old we are. doesn't matter how young we are. doesn't matter how long we've walked with the Lord or if we've even begun that, that journey yet. God, Everybody within the sound of my voice this morning has a call on their life. I'm praying right now that you would wake up their spirit. That they would come alive to the fact that they're not just existing. They are selected and called to follow you. That God, you have put into them the spirit of the living God. And that that same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is available to do exceedingly abundantly above all that they could ask, think, or even dare to imagine. That they can call and you will answer. That you can, they can say and it will be done in, on earth as it is in heaven. God, release that understanding. I pray for an urgent hunger for the word of God. I pray for an urgent hunger for prayer. I pray, God, that you would release something, that when we open the scriptures, we're consumed by them and only satisfied by them. God, you're doing a new thing. I ask that you do that today in Jesus' name. 
and for the sake of your kingdom. Amen and amen and amen. Folks, keep reading in Mark. You're dismissed. If you want to be prayed for, there's going to be some folks here. You, you can be released right now. Thank you so much.